0: It's great to be here this evening. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brown. I'm one of the pastors here, specifically of the Evening churches, small groups. And you hear me say small groups, you know, I'm not the pastor of the congregation because we come here and we sit under the word and there's a lot of cool things that happen here, but we believe in church that happens in the function of small groups. You know, there was a pastor, one of our pastors in, in Stellenbosch, he says it beautifully. He says, we are not a church with small groups, we are a small group church. We believe that church happens at small groups where we come together for the same purpose, with the same vision, to do the same thing, and that is to lift up the name of Jesus and to look more like Jesus. You know, in the the last while we've been busy with a series on that specifically, and it's a piece of scripture found in Ephesians 4 from verse one to 16, and tonight we're going to do part three which I'm very excited about. The title of the sermon, Into Jesus by the truth, out like Jesus with the truth. And uh, you guys see that as we're going through that, what that means and, and uh, what that looks like. But I'm very excited. You know, and before I begin, I just want to ask us the same couple of questions that I asked us in the beginning of each one of these sermons. And the first one is, can we live out the life That Jesus has called us to without a small group and like I said it's it's not always a specific small group you know it doesn't need to be called small group but that function of a group of people that come together with the same purpose for the same thing with the same vision in unity can we do that without a small group some of the the points are on there of the last sermons. If you missed that, you can write that down. It's also on the internet if you want to go and catch up and, and see what we said there. And then another question, can we even grow to a place where we can live out the call that God has for us without a small group? And both the answers to those questions is no, no we can't. Or well, another question that's very important for the, the, the times that we live in, a you know, time of grace where people say that God has made me unique individual I can stay like I am. There's no need for growth. There's grace for my mistakes, which there is. But we are called to grow. And like Aubrey also said, you know, sometimes we're so frustrated by our lack of growth. And we feel so convicted. And you know, it's difficult sometimes to draw near to God. And I have know there's been times in, in my life where I've been so frustrated with an area that there's a lack of growth in, in my life. That I pray, Lord, just come and remove my free will. Because I can't make good choices. And just come in. Like kind of pull me in this direction. Just come and do it. You know, who have you have had prayers like that, yeah? And, and we need that. You know, sometimes God just needs to come and just forcibly pull us in a direction. Because if it's up to us, it'll never happen. But luckily God is gracious. And then the last question. Do you know how to build those around you up in love? Do you know what your function is in the body of Christ? Your gift, how that works, how that looks like. And if you don't, don't worry. I'm very excited. This is really something that God wants to come and impart to us as a church. To come and enable us to to do that work. And the great thing is we already have our gifts. When the Bible speaks about the, the gifts that Jesus gave to his church, he says, and he gave gifts. We already have them. We already received them from Jesus. We just need the things that enable us to discover them to grow in them and to equip the people around them and the set of gifts that we're going to look at tonight it's it's called the fivefold ministry found in verse 11 we're going to look at that some people have have called it offices in the church you know and and, and you you maybe can look at it that way but if there's an office in the church say for example the office to, the office of pastor not anybody can fulfill that office he has to have the gift being a pastor you know it's very unfortunate actually that we call everybody pastors because our pastor Werner does not necessarily have the pastoral gift of the fivefold ministry there's more evangelistic gift than an apostolic gift you know to reach people and to plant out what Jesus wants to come and do in our communities that's the gift that he's given with but we call him a pastor that's just the way church works But it looks at these gifts that God has given us and the work of the fivefold ministry, and we're going to look at what that is, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. These people or these gifts has been given by God to the church to equip everybody so that they can walk around with that same gift or impartation of that gift and minister to the people around them. And we're going to look at tonight and and how that works and what that looks like. And just to quickly recap, The last couple of sermons we did we spoke about these four points you know to live a life worthy of our calling for the one who called us to be eager to maintain the unity established by the spirit bought with the blood of jesus speaks about unity in the church and then just something i want to quickly mention because it's very important for the sermon tonight point number three the attitude of your heart determines your growth and unity in the body and we're going to see that it is necessary for us to have this attitude the same one that was in jesus Speaks about an attitude of humility, gentleness, long-suffering, forgiving one another in love. It's found in verse 2 of this passage. And we need that attitude of the heart if we are to receive gifts, if we are to impart our gifts to those around us. And, And we're going to see that. And then the last point we made was, out of the head, the whole body grows in unity. And we said that from Jesus, this body grows lovely. And tonight we're going to look at how do we then grow into Jesus the head, And what does that practically look like in our lives as believers? So you can read with me on the screens. Ephesians 4, from verse 1 to 16. And just before I begin, I just want to open for us in prayer. Yes, Lord, thank you that as we go into this passage of scripture, Lord, I just come and pray for that you come and open our hearts, Lord, and our minds, Father, to the truth of who you are, Lord, what you came to do, and what you want to come and establish in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, moving in each heart, Lord, and I thank you for that you've really given us, Lord, the ability to serve one another in love, Lord. Each one of us has a gift, Father. And I pray that as we work through this, Lord, each one will discover what his gift is, Lord. I pray that we have the humility and the gentleness, Lord, to be teachable, Father, for people to impart into our lives. And also to have the heart, Lord, to impart into the lives of others. May we be regarding of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And if we can just pause there for a moment, you know this is what we said last time, this is where we are working towards. This is the end goal. You know, if, if we can be a church that looks like this, that would be great. From the, whole, from the head, if all of us live in unity with Christ, we have this intimate relationship with Jesus, and out of that place flows a body that is joined in hell together. That means that Jesus is the one that establishes the unity amongst us. We just need to maintain it, be eager to maintain the unity. Each part working as it should. The body building itself up in love. This is where we want to grow to. This is where we wanna we wanna be. And this happens when we flow from the head who is Jesus. We grow from that place. So how do we grow into Christ? Let's look at verse 15. It says here, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the Head, into Christ. So we said we want to grow up into Christ. How we do that? We are to speak the truth. In love, that is how we grow up to Christ in every way. You know, in all aspects. Let that just quickly sink in for a moment. In all aspects, we are to grow up into Christ. Now, many of us, in certain aspects, we we grow up into Christ more easily than others. And as individuals, there are certain places where we can grow up into Christ more naturally than others. But we need the body of Christ to grow up into Christ in all aspects. You know, when we do this by speaking the truth in love. So what does that mean, speaking the truth in love? You know, if, if I was to say to, to us tonight, listen you guys, what we are going to do this week is we are going to focus on speaking the truth in love. Let's go. What, what's going through your head right now? What does that look like? And the reason why I say it is important because many times we read through Scripture, we come to a passage like this. We here speak the truth in love and we have our own definition of what that means and we want to try and go and do that without looking at the rest of the Scripture to see what that actually means. So just note to yourself, what was your idea of speaking the truth in love? You know, we read in 2 Thessalonians 2 speaking about the end days and the the enemy that's going to come and trying to deceive people. And it says in verse 10, He comes with all wicked deception. Not just normal light deception, with wicked deceptions. For those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. There's a guy called Blaise Pascal and he has this wonderful quote and he says that lies are so well established these days and the truth is so obscure that unless we love the truth, we will never find it. And I just love that. So this truth That scripture is speaking about here. It's a truth that saves. So what it does not mean is that we are now going to go to one another, say very hard and rash things to one another, but we're going to do it in love. Scripture also says that we should do that. And there is a place for that. So if you're a husband or a wife and you thought, now this is going to be your opportunity to tell him or to tell her, you can still do that. Scripture says that's okay. We need to speak the truth in love. But that's not what this scripture speaks about. And to maybe give you an indication of someone who came to speak the truth in love, Jesus. Coming out of love to speak to his people and he says, truly, truly, I tell you. And all of the times that Jesus did that, he was busy speaking the truth in love. This truth speaks about the truth about God, the gospel, and the kingdom. That is what this truth refers to. It's a truth that saves. It's a truth that equips us. And if we neglect it, we become deceived and we won't be saved, like Thessalonians says. And just what I quickly want to, before we take a good look at what this means and, and how it looks in our lives, something that I just want to touch And It says they're speaking the truth in love. Just to quickly touch on love, you know, love is the fuel behind this, it's what drives this. Without love, this doesn't happen. We read in two Corinthians five, verse fourteen: the love of Christ compels us. Matthew twenty-two: the great commandments, love God, love people. That's what it's about. Galatians two twenty, where Paul writes, why he lives a life of faith? Because Jesus died for me. He loved me and gave Himself for me. It's love that fuels the speaking of the truth. It's love that has the desire to be equipped and to equip others. So remember that if you see that something's not flying through your life as it should. How is how's your love gauge doing for God and for his people? Just quickly look at what this means. If we can go to verse 11 to 13. So verse 15 is a summary of this. You know, the scripture says that we should do this, then we will no longer be children tossed to and fro, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into Christ. So verse 15 is a summary of, of what's going on here. And it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what it's saying there is that we are to grow up into Christ in every aspect. Same thing, just explaining how this happens. But this is a summary of verse 50. And what does it say? What is this truth? What is it about? And we read there, it's the knowledge of the Son of God. If the fivefold ministry comes and they equip the saints, and we build up the body with what we are equipped, then we attain to the unity of the faith that rests on our knowledge of the Son of God. Common conviction of our faith. It rests on the knowledge of the Son of God. And then we grow in our knowledge of the Son of God. So I said earlier now, that is the truth about God, the gospel, and the kingdom. So maybe you're saying, Vian, it only says the knowledge of the Son of God. <laughs> Where does God and the kingdom and the gospel come from? Scripture says that Jesus is the exact imprint of the Father, the exact nature. He came to reveal the Father to us. I do nothing unless I see the Father do it. I speak nothing of my own accord, but what I hear the Father say, I speak. The knowledge of the Son of God, that is the knowledge of God the Father. Then Jesus says to his disciples, I will send another one like myself. The Holy Spirit, another one like Jesus. And in fact, without the Holy Spirit, there's no growing in the knowledge of Jesus. We read in John 15, 26, and he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all the things that Jesus said and did. Speaking about the Holy Spirit. Knowledge of the Son of God. Knowledge of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. That is what it speaks about. What did Jesus come to do? That is the good news of the gospel. What did Jesus come to establish? I tell you the kingdom of God is at hand. So this truth speaks about the truth of God. Truth about the gospel. And the truth about the kingdom of God. And when we grow up into him, into Jesus, we will no longer be led astray by false teaching. Just to establish that this is what this truth is trying to teach. This is where we are to grow to. You know, and what just astounds me about this passage is, look at what the end result is. This is why we do this. So that we can be as mature and we can grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you know, I said to the morning service last week, I wish I could just give us 10 minutes for that to sink in. You know, where we are called to. Some people say we we shouldn't grow. There's grace for that. God says, no, I want you to look exactly like my son. That's, That's wild. Maybe just go and sit tonight or tomorrow morning, take an hour, think about that. And as you grow, go through this week, pray, Lord, make me more like your son. And most of us will realize how far we are from there. Driving in the car, it happens to me a lot. Lord, make me more like your son. I want to do everything I do out of love. And someone cuts in front of me and I blow my hooter out of love. (laughs) And when, when we focus on that, we realize how far we are from that. That's a high call to which we're called. It's a great call. But it also shows the faith that God has in us. Because he doesn't give us a mission that we can't attain to. He believes we can can reach that. And the fivefold ministry is called to equip the people with this truth. So they are ministers of truth. Agents of truth to serve the people with the truth. Look at this verse that uh, Paul says. This is a description of what the church of God should be like. 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. If I delay, you might know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Isn't that beautiful? And in that word buttress, it gives the idea of a protector and a defender and a support to the truth. I actually love the Afrikaans translation. It says, we are carriers and protectors of the truth. en van and I just quickly want us to note something here. It doesn't say that this is something that the church should do. It doesn't say we should go and protect the truth. It doesn't say we should go and defend the truth. It said we should be this. This is not something that we do. This is something that we are. And for all of us, we are the church. Now, do you identify with that? There where you're sitting, you know, do you think that you are a defender, protector, and upholder of the truth? Now this, this word buttress, it gives the idea of a structure that is built and, and we are standing against it. And when the world wants to come and push the truth down to demolish it, we stand and say, no, this won't fall. We're going to uphold it. And never has it been more necessary than now. The times that we're living in. time of relativism. There's, everything's relative. Nothing is true. We cannot know the truth. Some people will even say that we cannot for certain know any truth. We can't know anything. Lies, misleading. And, and in this world where people have no hope, they don't know what the truth is, they don't know where to go, we are supposed to carry that truth in. Like the church, and they say, oh, that's the truth. That is something we can all fast to. That is something that we can lean against. The truth about who God is, what he came to do for us, and what he wants to establish in our midst that takes us to the first point. By speaking the truth in love, we grow into Christ in every way. And just to say now, this is for all of us, we all are supposed to be equipped by this truth. The Afrikaans says that this fivefold ministry are called to equip the people of God. So if you see yourself as a people of God, that is the saints, the people of God, then you are called to be equipped by the fivefold ministry. You know, but what has happened these days is, it's not true for, for all of us, I'm not saying that that's specific to our church as well, but in the church in general, we are coming to the things of God with a consumer mentality. And, and this happens with, with the gifts as well. And we don't do it intentionally, but unintentionally we, we view the gifts you know, as a consumer thing. For those who who carry the gifts, they only want people to experience it. But for those of us who carry the gifts, are we giving thought to how can I equip someone with it? I don't only want them to experience it, I want to equip them with it. For those of us who see the gifts, do do you have a desire in yourself to be equipped by them? Or do you only want to experience them? It's like going to the doctor. I don't go to the doctor to become a doctor. I want him to help me, to make me feel better. I have an illness. I won't be able to help someone after that. Only if I have a couple of pills left. And I can give that to them. But I'm by no means now a physician. I can't diagnose you. I can't do nothing. I went there to fix myself. And we look at the gifts in the same way. Sometimes I feel like, okay, I need some love. You know, I, I struggle to experience the love of God and the love of his people. I feel a bit left out. So what do I do? I... Look for someone that makes me feel loved. Someone carrying that pastoral gift. And I want to go and experience it until I feel better. Now I feel loved again and then I move on. But never is the intention to be equipped by the gift so that I can minister to to someone else with it. It Maybe prophetic, which is the one we see most in the times we live in today. I need direction. I don't know where God is calling to me. Will, will, Will you please pray for me for a word? And again, the desire is not to be equipped by the gift so that I can minister to others. I just want to know where I should go. I want some clarity. Or someone at work or maybe someone in a magazine, you read something and all of a sudden your faith is a little bit shaken. You're not sure what's going on here. Now I want to go to the teacher so that he can assure me of my beliefs again. Explain to me what's going on here. And then he explains to you and you feel secure in your faith again and then you leave. But again, the idea is not to be equipped so that you can minister to others. The only time you want to be equipped by that gift is to go and show the guy at work that he's wrong. But never is the intent to build up the body of of, of God. It's to break down the world. I will go show him he's wrong. And when we come to the gifts of God with that mentality, it's because the love is lacking. There's no love for God, love for his people. love for self is there. But the love of God and his people is missing. You know, like Carla said, we're focusing on this time about God that's on the throne. And even in this passage, you know, the first seven verses and the last six are linked together with the fact that Jesus descended to come and give his life. And he ascended far above all things. He's on the throne. And when we see him in that place, and he says, this is what I desire my church to do. No one seeing God on the throne says, no, thank you i will rather do my own thing. When we see him, we learn to love him and his people and we do what he says. It flows out of us naturally to build up the body of Christ. So to just again quickly look at how this is accomplished, if we can look at 11 to 13 again. And he says then he gave the apostles to equip the saints. So whatever these people are carrying, they're supposed to impart it, to equip the saints with it. All of us are supposed to be equipped with it. And then when we are equipped with it, we minister to one another and we build up the body of Christ with that gift that is imparted to us. And we all begin to look like Jesus. And we'll stop when all of us together look 100% like Jesus. So we'll always be focusing on this. Different parts of scripture, but with the same goal, to impart, to receive so that I can give. Until we all look like Jesus. And individually, we will look more like Jesus. But together, we will almost look exactly like Jesus. The scripture says exactly, but it's difficult for me to say. Exactly like Jesus. There's certain areas of our lives that look more like Jesus naturally. But when we come together, when someone walks into your small group. And they experience the different giftings. And the different things coming naturally out of our lives. It's like, okay, this gives me a picture of of who God is. Experience love direction someone teaching me the ways of god and what he expects of us a heart for the people out there and these people want to multiply it continuously i I see something of god when these people come together now like i said it's quite high call but there's hope in acts 10 i think it's no it's actually 11 verse 26 we read that and in antioch the disciples were first called christians little christ-like ones these people who look like jesus there's hope and what the people in Antioch said, that individually when I see these people, yes, they resemble Jesus in a sense, but when they come together, oh, they look a lot like Jesus. So there's hope we can, we can do that. Amen? And also no one can say that there's an area where we should not grow in, because we, we need to look like Jesus. All of us are called to grow, all of us need to grow, but all of us can grow. Amen? So now let's quickly look, how does this gift get imparted? How do we get equipped? You know, how, how does this thing work? So we see in Romans 1 verse 11, Paul writing, For I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 10, As we pray, pray most earnestly night and day, that we might see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Cool Paul, why don't you send me a YouTube video? Isn't this somewhere on podcast? But why don't you just write it in the letter? And Paul says, now I need to be with you personally, face to face. That's the only way this gets imparted. So again, I ask you, is it possible to live out the life that God has called us to without a small group? No. And also not if your small group meets online. We need to come together. This gets imparted when like-minded individuals come together in unity to lift up the name of God, to see His kingdom being built. Read in Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3, that how lovely is it when brothers dwell together in unity. There the Lord commands a blessing. There God's blessing flows because what needs to be imparted isn't physical. It's a spiritual thing. It's not like giving my watch to someone. I don't have a watch. I already gave it. I'm just getting it broke. So it doesn't work like that. It's not a physical thing. If you ever watch that works, you can do that to me. But it doesn't work like that. It's a spiritual thing. Now The anointing of God needs to to come and rest on our gifts. And look at Paul's heart. Like I said, the attitude of Christ. Humility, gentleness, other regarding. Like we said last time, to regard others more significant than yourself. To focus on them. It says there, For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you my heart is for you, for you to be strengthened. Okay, he yes, in the verse afterwards, he says that I also might be strengthened by your faith. He also wants to receive something, but again, 1 Thessalonians 3, as we pray most earnestly night and day, so that we might supply what's lacking in your faith. Can you see the heart of, of Paul? He wants to equip people. He wants to supply. He wants to build up. And it's the moment when we align our hearts with the purpose of God. And we have the humility to serve others and to be served where the anointing of God comes on our gifts and this can be imparted into those around us. And it's tricky because the one carrying the gift needs to have this heart. I want to equip you. And the one that receives also needs to have this heart. <clears throat> For those that has been on missions and maybe some of you have heard the missions feedback, A lot of times people ask, why do people grow so much on missions? What happens? Why does the gifts come alive? Why do people grow so much? Some people will never grow as much in their lives as someone does one week on missions. Because this is the heart. I am going to serve the people of God. I'm going to give of myself to see the people of God being built up. Other regarding, to serve others. And suddenly what's always been in our hearts, the gifts of God being there, what God has equipped equipped us with being there, all of a sudden the anointing of the Holy Spirit falls and that comes alive. Because we're focusing on those around us to build them up, to allow God to work through us. Isn't that beautiful? And we can do that here as well. So now to quickly look at how it looks practically if someone is equipped with these gifts. I'm not going to try and explain the fullness of the gift The gifts look a bit different, but when you are equipped with the gift, that is what we're going to look at now. Some of the gifts look very much the same, but two of them are specifically prophetic and apostolic. It looks a bit different. But let's see what that looks like. Like Jesus, our shepherd. John 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he says to his disciples in John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You know, it says in that, that passage that the hired servant, he runs away. And you know, the scripture says that we are supposed to be equipped for the work of ministry. And many of us tonight needs to make that shift from a hired hand doing favors to people. From working to God. We're not yet to do favors to people. To, to serve because I want that guy to see me. Or this guy to see me. Or because they ask really nicely. No this is my work unto God. We need to make that shift. And this heart can be in each and every one of us. And it's supposed to be in each and every one of us. And I'm going to use Paul a lot as an example. Because you're going to read later that he was called... And he said that this is the gifts that God has given me, but we can see the heart of each one of these gifts being equipped into Paul's life. And we can see that he carries the heart of Christ in each one of these aspects. And he writes in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, and this is in a time where the Corinthians, they, they're not happy with Paul, you know, they're a bit fighting with him, and it's not going so well. And Paul writes to them, I love you so much that I'm willing to give up everything I have and even lay down my life for you the heart of Jesus the shepherd imparted into Paul who was not called to pastoral ministry yet he, he has that heart and I'm also going to list the gifts in the order that I think they flow most naturally this is where it starts this is where sonship happens for us when we experience the gift when we are equipped with it we realize the love of a father for us it begins to beat in our chest my God loves me he has called me. He's equipped me. And then all of a sudden, that love compels us out to go and spread the good news of the gospel. But this is where sonship happens. This is where we start. And all of us, in a sense, are called to, to have this. Those of us who love conflict, I know those who don't think it's weird, but there's people like that. They love conflict. They love to confront people. And if you're one of those that say, "No, I'm called to just speak the truth, you know, bah, like that. You're also called to have a pastoral heart that loves and cares for the people of God. All of us are called to have that heart. No more no, I'm a prophet, I can say it like it is. You're also called to have a pastoral heart. So the moment you say that, you're also confessing your growth. I need to grow like Jesus in pastoral heart. Then the next one. Like Jesus, our teacher. Matthew 22 verse 16. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity, And that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. And then we read in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. And then a chapter later in verse 16 to 17. We also read that all scripture is God breathed. And is profitable for rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. That the servant of God may be completely equipped or thoroughly equipped, as another translation might say, for every good work. If we want to be equipped for the work of the ministry, this is how we do it. And again, the teacher has the ability to go and break open the word of God, to see what it says, and to come and teach the people with that. But if the, peop- the, the teacher who has done all the hard work comes and he preaches the message and you are equipped with it, you can teach it in the same way. You just didn't need to go and spend the hours in the Word to see what it means. You, it's actually lucky. And yes, please go and check what each one teaches to see if that is the truth of what Scripture says. But you are also called to rightly handle the Word of Truth. And in this aspect, you know, as Christians today, it's shocking how much of Scripture we know. And I've heard some funny things out of this church. So One of the things on missions as well You know, Vian, I don't spend so much time in the Word of God because I'm called to be an evangelist, not a teacher. The definition of an evangelist is one who preaches the Word. The one who goes and proclaims the Word. But I don't spend time in the Word because I'm an evangelist. To preach the good news of the message of Jesus, if you're going to go preach that, you need to know that. We all are called to, to to have that in us, and then also sometimes we have the sense that there's the world's way and Jesus way, and the two directly opposed to one another. But if the way of Jesus was on the 180 degree marker, then all of the other degrees are not like Jesus. So you can't simply say, "This is what the world does. I'm going to do the opposite." We need to know what Scripture says. And just to to test our own hearts in that, if we quickly just take a quick couple of things: marriage, how to raise children, how to work, why we should reach out, the church, the Bible, prayer, worship, the church. What scriptures do you know about those things? Not to condemn us tonight, but we need to realize: am I truly living the life God wants me? One guy says, I don't want to live like Jesus. I'm going to do it my own way. Another guy says, I want to live like Jesus, but he does not know what Jesus did. They both are fooling themselves. The one guy has an idea of what Jesus might have done, but that's his idea. He's also just fooling himself. We need to be equipped with the word of God. and Remember the, the, the ideal way we're working towards, to look like Jesus. Romans 12 verse 2 says, we should not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. If we think different towards certain things, we'll act different towards certain things. We need the heart of Jesus, our teacher. Then the next one. Like Jesus, our prophet. John six thirty eight, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And then again, Paul, 1 Timothy 2, verse 7. For this I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So where this gift differs a lot from when it is imparted, a prophet has the ability to speak truth and the word of God and direction into people's life and to give direction for the church. When someone is equipped with that, he has a sense of direction from God and he has a desire to do the will of God. That is how that gift looks when it is equipped someone with it. Bit different from the gift, but we're looking at when someone's equipped with it. I now know where I am going, and I want to go, where God has called me to. And then what's so beautiful there? Paul wasn't called to be a prophet. He says there, he's called to be a teacher and an apostle. Preaches the same thing. But that is the heart that Paul was called to do. But then we read in Scripture, Acts 13. The beginning of, of the chapter, you can go and read it. And it says in the church in Antioch, there was a couple of prophets and teachers and they name a couple of names. And then it says, as they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I've called them. And the prophets stepped forward and they impart the gift into Paul's life. And all of a sudden he lives with a sense of purpose. He knows to where God is calling him. What is he calling? What God has gifted me with? And I want to live my life to please God. That is the gift being imparted into Paul's life. And in areas, other areas it says they wanted to go to certain places but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them. And they didn't go because they want to do the will of the one who sent them. That is when this gift gets imparted into our lives. Then the next one. Like Jesus, our evangelist. Luke 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22. Again Paul, who said he was not called to be an evangelist, but an apostle and a teacher. Look at this heart of the evangelist in the life of Paul. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Heart of an evangelist beating inside of Paul. He wasn't called to do that, but he was equipped with a gift now he carries that same heart. And we're also called to do that. Let the introverts say amen. Come on. We are called to go out and, and spread the good news of the message of Jesus. You just don't head for the groups, you go for the one guy also standing on his own. They're also the introverts. But we are called to reach them. And again, this is driven by a. Love for God and his people. For the love of Christ compels us. Paul writing about the ministry of reconciliation, the work that we have done to go and proclaim that through Jesus, God has reconciled the world to himself. The heart of apostle, fueled by love, let's go out and reach people in the heart of all of us. Then like Jesus, our apostle, Mark 1 verse 17, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And some might say that sounds a bit like an evangelist, but we're going to look at the difference now. He was speaking to his apostles there. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, will be able to teach others also. See, we have four generations in that scripture. Paul is speaking about himself, that has equipped Timothy, that will equip others, that will equip others. The heart of an apostle, so again, the gifts the gift look a bit different. You know, They want to make sure that everything is functioning well. And Paul writes to Timothy, you know, I left you at Ephesus so that you can charge certain people not to teach different doctrines. To Titus, he writes, you are left at Crete to appoint elders in every town. So that is a bit more the gift. But the heart of one who has been equipped with it is so that the work that God has done in my life must now be done in someone else's life through me. Into Jesus By the truth. Out like Jesus with the truth. Now I need to go out. I need to go and impart this into someone else's life. And not only do I need to impart it into their lives. But they need to impart it into someone else's life as well. In us as a church. Accountability groups. Small groups. This is where this heart needs to to come through the most. Whatever is happening here. God wants to do in the life of other people as well. We need to multiply what God is busy doing in and through us. You know, and for those of you who think it's weird you know, to call Jesus our apostle and prophet and, and all of that, we read in Hebrews 3 verse 1 that Jesus is the high priest and apostle of our faith. And the same word used there for apostle, sent one, Jesus then used for his disciples. In John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me as an apostle, sent one, so I sent you as apostles, sent ones, to go and do the work of ministry. The heart of an apostle is someone wants to make a disciple. And a disciple is someone who makes a disciple. The process will never stop. And that is the heart that needs to beat within us. Whatever God has done for me, he wants to do through me. We need to realize that tonight. And some of us have gone through hectic things. heartbreaking things. We've come out stronger. And the same thing that God did with you in that situation, he wants to do through you to help others going through that same pain, through that same thing. And we need to reach out to those people and show them that there is truth, that a God cares, that He has come to save us, and He has come to establish His kingdom on earth. That takes us to the last point. Together, we build up the body so that we all look more like Jesus. No, so that we can experience the gifts, but so that we can look more like Jesus. We don't want to feel better. We want to look better. And feel better as well. We want to look like Jesus. And again, don't put too much pressure on yourself. More like Jesus individually. A lot like Jesus together. Let's just focus on one area. Whose New Year's resolution is I want to grow? That's it. Very vague. I just want to grow. Don't do that. Be specific. I want to grow in this area because of this. And I want it to look like this. And then you share it with the people around you in your small group and they can hold you accountable. And to some of us, if you're new here tonight and you've heard about gifts and importation of gifts and truth and stuff like that and you're not sure what's going on, just go to a small group, plug in and see how it looks practically then it all makes sense. When we see God working practically through our lives, a lot of things make sense. And my prayer is really that each of us will discover our gift. Each of us will realize that God has placed something in us. And we can build up the body of Christ together. Let's stand up tonight and pray. Yes, Father, Lord, thank you that we can just come before you tonight, Lord. And thank you, Father. Thank you that you are so patient with us, Lord. And so so generous towards us, Father. And sometimes we, we hear you, Lord, speaking a certain thing into our lives of calling us to do certain things, Lord, but we're very hesitant, Lord, and we're so, so, so slow sometimes, Lord, but thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your patience. And I just want to pray for each and every one of us that feels like that tonight, Lord. We've, we've heard you so many times speak to us about a certain area or speak to us to go and do a certain thing, Lord. Don't worry, there's, there's grace and there's patience, but there's also the body of Christ to help you. God did not school us to do this life alone. And he desires of us to grow. And maybe as we've gone through a couple of things tonight and and you've examined your heart, let's just focus on on where we need to grow. Maybe it's like Jesus, our shepherd. You know, when you think about your heart towards, towards God, maybe that's the first place where we need to start. I don't understand sonship. I've never really experienced the love of God for me. And if that is you, just there where you're standing, just pray to God and ask for Him to come and reveal that heart to you. And when He presses something on your heart to do, to join, to go, do that. Be obedient. He wants you to grow. Maybe you've realized that you've experienced the love of God for you, but there's something in you that, that struggles to, to always love people around you. To just open up. Maybe you've been hurt or maybe something has happened, but just bring that area before God Ask Him, Lord, I want that heart. I want that heart to beat inside of me. And then go to people that you see carry that heart and ask them to equip you with that. Where does this come from? Let's sit together. I want also for that heart to beat inside me so that others can experience it through me. Maybe you're thinking about the heart of Jesus as a teacher. And when you think about your, your knowledge of Scripture and how many time you spent in the Word, then... You feel like you need to grow just there we're standing lift up your voice to God and ask him to show you how you can grow and again get into accountability join a small group and speak to one another about the areas that we need growth and we need to be honest with the people around us where we want to grow just bring that area before God say Lord I want to grow maybe some of us just need to say Lord I also need discipline with that please the discipline to grow Maybe you're thinking, the area of Jesus as a prophet. You're not sure where, where you are going, and most importantly, you don't know where we are going as a church. Because when the gift gets imparted, you know where we are going as well as a body. And you may not be able to give direction to each and every person, but you can at least join them to come with us as we are moving in that direction to please God to build up the body of Christ, to lift up the name of Jesus. And you can invite them to come with because we know where we're going. Maybe you're thinking about Jesus as an evangelist and you know that your heart towards the lost is, is not in a great place. And we need to be honest with ourselves. Maybe we have no desire to reach those around us, no desire to go and spread the good news of the gospel. Lift up that area towards God. Ask Him to come and work in your heart. He alone can change our hearts. Maybe it is like Jesus is an apostle and you're sitting there and you've realized all the things that Jesus has done for you, all the things that He's done in and through you. And you have a desire to impart that to the people around you but you're not quite sure how. Just ask God to give you a heart that desires that and He will lead you to do that. Please and please get into an accountability group. Get into a small group. Meet with like-minded people so that we can walk this road together. Otherwise it's not going to work. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that as prayers are going up in this place, Lord. You're coming to heal hearts, Lord. As we see you, Lord, on the throne, Father, we cry out to you. And say, make us more like Jesus, Lord. We know that you say, Father, as the one who called you is holy. You also be holy, Lord. And we realize that we're not there and we we pray for help, Lord. Have grace upon us. Have mercy. Come and sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing a work in hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to give you a call to action, but I'm trusting that we've experienced the love of God and you do not need someone to motivate you to follow him and to do what he says. But out of our love for Jesus, let's follow Him. Let's do what He says. Let's get into a small group. Let's get connected. Let's experience the growth of God together. And let's do that right now with a cup of coffee in our hands and with a snack in our mouths. Enjoy the night. Love you guys.